Josh, and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3. Joining me today, I think she'd share her Zarg nuts with me. It's our Marvel correspondent back from beyond. It's Maya. Maya, what's going on? Hey, Josh. How's it going? Good. It is great to have Maya back. She had some life events that kept her from joining us for the last two Marvel movies, but she is back and ready to talk about, I don't know, maybe the last Guardians of the Galaxy movie, maybe James Gunn's last Marvel movie ever. It's it's a big one, Maya. So, uh, yeah, I am uh, very curious to hear what you had to say about this one because we haven't really talked about it yet. But uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, it's not the first. We've seen the Guardians a lot in the interim in multiple Avengers movies and in uh, Thor, Thor Love and Thunder. But this is our first time seeing them in a Guardians movie in six years, which is crazy. Don't forget the Christmas special. I watched that for the first time the other day. Uh, so I guess there, there is that too. But the first time we've seen them in an actual proper feature movie in six years. I did not realize it had been that long until I like, actually went down and started like, you know, getting ready for watching volume three, but uh, it obviously picks up sometime after the events of Endgame and where we see Thor leave them in Love and Thunder. They're kind of doing their own thing, head, hanging out on their uh, headquarters on the planet of nowhere, which isn't really a planet. I learned a little bit about nowhere, Maya. It's, I guess it's the, the head of a dead celestial. It's the city inside of it, kind of odd, whatever, but they're hanging out and they are attacked by Adam Warlock, who is uh, a warrior created by the, or I guess, I don't know if it's actually like given birth in the regular sense, but he refers to the high priestess Aisha, played by Elizabeth Debicki, who we met in Guardians 2, as his mother. And he has been sent to uh, capture Rocket, and he basically just like takes out all the Guardians and you know very quickly. And but he's stabbed by Nebula, gets out of there, but he Rocket's wounds are leaving him basically almost on his deathbed. There's a kill switch in his body made by the company that uh, basically engineered him. And uh, they have to figure out how to override that code. And they, they go on a trek all the way through to the high evolution, to, to find the high evolutionary, the scientist that kind of created Rocket, who is trying to capture him because he's kind of the, the project that got away. And all of our heroes, including, including uh, you know, Quill and Groot and, uh, and Drax and Mantis and Nebula, they're, they're, all, they're, they're all going along. They connect with the other version of Gamora, who is now hanging out with the Ravagers. And they, they all have to go and, you know, try and save Rocket and uh, and fight through all these different tasks to try and track down this MacGuffin. But it's all in the service of saving their friend. Uh, Maya, before we even get that deep into the movie, I want to take your temperature on Marvel. We didn't even talk that much about it before you jumped in. Uh, I don't even know if you're caught up on all the shows. I, I You saw Black Panther, you saw Black Panther kind of late. And I think it's interesting that you, uh, because you had some life events going on, including getting married, uh, you, you have not been able to see Ant-Man. But you know what I think is interesting about these two movies is that they are self-contained. I don't think it actually hurts you in your like viewing of this movie. One, I was pretty mixed on Ant-Man, uh, uh, Quantumania, but... 
one of the things I liked about it was that I, I I've like I kind of set my expectations very low for this phase because I thought it was going to get very deep into this multiverse stuff in a way that I didn't really feel like taking the effort to follow. But Quantum Mania actually did a fairly good job of telling a safe a self contained story, even if I had some criticisms of it. And Guardians is really left to its own devices. Uh, but like you know, a lot of the movies up until this one have been getting a lot of criticism. Some of the shows have. I think a lot of the critical community is, you know, maybe kind of down on things. I'm wondering, you know, how have you been feeling about where Marvel has stood up until Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania? How are you feeling about how they're doing and enjoying the shows? How are you just, how are you uh, taking in this phase of Marvel? Are you happy with it? Are you a little down on it? Did it cause you to come in with lower or higher expectations? Just how are you feeling about the MCU and the kind of uh, greater, in the, in the greater Marvel landscape when you throw in the TV shows? That's a really great question, Josh, and I appreciate you asking it, mostly because I have put a lot of thought into how I feel about how they're, you know, expanding the universe. And the way that I think about it is when I was a kid and I would read comic books, um, I would read each individual character arc. So whether I was reading Spider-Man or I was reading an Iron Man comic, um, I read them as their individual stories there didn't really need to be any cross-referencing within the individual you know books that i was reading and i feel like it's very similar with where they're taking this universe as the universe expands the more that you overlap it the more uh, muddled it gets and i think that it's okay to have stories that you can hint towards a greater perfect like shang chi is a perfect example a movie that i still really really highly revere and then it's still, like it's still my favorite still my favorite of phase four absolutely without a doubt it's my favorite of phase four a lot of people will say spider-man as well and i i completely agree that spider-man is up there um but let's let's be honest about it some of these characters that really deserve to have their arcs you know told in a certain way guardians is a really good one um i think that it, it's okay to kind of close this chapter of what we know in in our you know our character rolodex let's call it um and then you know let these people have their own paths and their own journeys there even is a new guardians group at the end of the movie mm. that james gunn has said very specifically the existing group that we have known is no longer going to be that group this is a new guardians group and i think that there there's a lot of sense into that because anybody who's ever read these comics knows that the even the individual character titles spider-man is a great example of that it's not always just the same person that you know from the origin story of the character the character becomes an archetype the archetype becomes bigger than itself i think it's interesting you, you said all that and you made a very very big statement there echoing james gunn's statement that like hey these people as we know it no more we're not we're not you're not getting this this exact team again they do put the star lord will return thing on there at the end you see rocket still part of some team but th these guardians this particular group is done that's a very big thing but before we started recording you said eh, there's not really much to say about this movie so i'm curious what do you think about the send-off that they gave them because it sounds like i don't know if they, i i don't know if that meant you didn't like it or it's just like you don't think there's a lot there, there was a lot of story to dissect what did you mean by that i loved the movie oh, okay. i loved the movie. 
And I and the reason why I was saying that there's not much to say it's because of the fact that it is self-contained. The mm. opinions that I'm going to be giving are just my own, but the movie speaks for itself. There's really there's no room for debate. There's no oh what is, how is this going to play into the greater universe? There's no how are we going to play chess with these characters? None of that needs to happen because James Gunn who I'm, by the way, I'm okay with the fact that this might be his last Marvel movie. I'll kind of go into that a little bit later when it comes to the recommendations for things to watch. But he, James Gunn, at the end of the day, when there's that whole conflict with, um, you know, with him and Marvel, and they fired him from Guardians of the Galaxy 3, and then they ended up bringing him back, he did what he was supposed to do. He was supposed to clo- close out this arc, do it in a way where you can send everybody off peacefully, and you don't have to, you know, lie awake at night wondering what happened to your favorite characters. Guardians 1 is probably top five of my favorite Marvel movies. I think that it's absolutely perfect. There's, there's everything is infallible there. And Guardians 3 really closed that chapter properly to the point where I think that Guardians, dare I say, is probably, I'm gonna say second to me for, for trilogies in the Marvel universe. Number one, for me, it has to be Captain America, but, um, but Guardians is really, consistent even with movie in the second movie where it got a lot of flack i completely disagree with that i enjoyed it thoroughly um i would argue that the second movie has the best villain of the three it absolutely ego is is terrifying um but but it's just so complete that you can just watch guardians one two and three by itself not know that there is an outside universe and be okay with that and I think that there's something to be said about that. I can't say that for any of the other trilogies because they're so intermingled with the greater universe. I think that he, I mean, to the point where he, you know, and this is funny, James Gunn said it, said in an article recently that um, the greater populace of Earth do not know that the Guardians exist. But in in Miss um, Marvel, the TV show, when she was at the con, there was a rocket raccoon um, doll and there is a star lord um mask there so there there is this is where the universe kind of gets bigger than itself where you know disney kind of becomes its own uh best friend and worst enemy that the the consistency of the man who really brought these characters to life he doesn't even realize what's what's out there um but if i'm taking you know his information as canon which i would like to i'd like to ignore that that happened because it kind of defeats the purpose um then you can really like i said you can take this as a standalone trilogy that just happens to be part of the marvel comic world yeah you don't i mean aside from the gomorrah part of it you don't really need to have seen any of the non-guardians movies to really get what's going on uh, for the most part and between these characters which i think is a which i think is an interesting point and i i would i would argue that like i i i think he has such great command of these characters he did such a great job of creating them that like you, you can't deny that the, that the movie does work in a lot of ways. My, my bigger issue, and I'm curious how you felt about it, was I'm not—I don't object to them making it Rocket's movie, but I don't know if I love the way in which they did it. And what I mean by that is, to me, this is my big thing coming out of the movie because it's two and a half hours, which is pretty long for like a, a pretty long for most of the non-like group films or not non-Avengers films. Is like one of the most memorable shots in all of the MCU for me is in the first Guardians movie when you when you first see Rocket take his shirt off and you see his back. And uh, you, that tells you a lot of what you need to know without it shows you without really having to tell you much about him. And just the way the, the way the way he, that character is written through every movie up until this one, 
you know that this is a this is a guy or uh, rodent or however whatever you want to call him, uh, tr- trash panda, whatever whatever you want to call him. Uh, he he has he has a lot of uh, he has a lot of stuff in his past, and you can just tell that by just the way he interacts with the, the world and what you see on his body. So I felt like as I'm watching a lot of these flashbacks, and which again were I guess uncomfortable to watch for their own reasons. I didn't feel like I learned a ton about him. I kind of like guessed that this there's something like this in his past. And I think that Bradley, I think Bradley Cooper's voice performance as Rocket is so good that like I can already like hear the pain and, and the trauma that he's endured. So I don't know if I needed to spend so much of this movie like seeing these flashbacks about it when I kind of already get it. And I I think uh the high evolutionary who uh I mean, yeah, awful dude. And like, you know, they they make that very they make that like, you know, pretty clear. He's played by um Shukuri Iwuji, if I said that name right, you might you might have known him. He was already a James Gunn collaborator from the Peacemaker show. Uh, that was going to bring up, by the yes, way. <laughs> yeah, so he 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 is uh, kind of in James Gunn's uh, you know traveling theater company or whatnot. I, I I don't know if he brought enough to the table for me to like justify having such a big chunk of this movie be going back in time with Rocket, who is then taken off the board for so much of this movie, except for those flashback scenes when like part of the appeal of Rocket is how he interacts with the rest of the group, and so it's like. Look, th- those performances are really good. There, it's some of that stuff's really moving. I just don't know if I agreed with the overall story cho- story choice to take Rocket off the board for like so much of a pretty long movie. Whereas I think there would have been other ways to make it Rocket's movie without doing it in that way. And but at, at the same time, I can't like give the movie a thumbs down even if I have that big of a critique of this one compared to the others because like again, he gets the emotions of the characters so well that like you can't help but be moved by the end of it. But like that's where I come down, and I'm wondering that's because that's just such a big part of this movie. How did you feel about like going back in time with Rocket and meeting these other characters that he like clearly bonded with early in his life and whose uh and th- the trauma of losing them has just like you know obviously stuck with him for years. I'm going to say that there is not a single part of that entire statement I did not agree with. Um, Mostly because you're 100% right. They could have gotten through a completely different storyline with this. I don't know what it could have been. But I think the only way to keep it self-contained was to make it about one of the Guardians. And we know so much about everybody else's origin story that he was the only one that was kind of a mystery. But I'll tell you the real reason why I thought that they made everything about uh, Rocket. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, a, it's a line from... I'm going to say one of my favorite movies of all time. I think that anybody who... Um, Anybody who has any sense would love this movie. It was about merchandising. It's about the merchandising. If you have a cute little animal that you can sell a ton of toys for and you make an entire movie about him, even if it does say the word fuck in it the first time in the whole Marvel mm. franchise, um, you can do a lot with that. And I think that that is probably one of the major reasons why they pushed in that direction. But I also thought that James Gunn, who has really you know been with these characters since what twenty twelve was the first movie twenty fourteen. Um, but so like I mean, I'm sure he started writing it around then. So he's yeah, it, roughly it, yeah. roughly around then. Yeah, twenty fourteen. You're right. Was the, the first movie. So nearly ten years. Um, probably over ten years that he's actually been you know really marinating yeah. with these characters. You owe it to that character to tell their story. And I do think that it was a compelling enough, um, you know, lead up to some of the other, um, you know, groups that we saw, like the Sovereign. Um, I personally thought that Adam Warlock should have had a bigger villain role. I don't hate 
how they ended up doing his character, mostly because I am a huge Will Poulter fan. I am so happy they cast him in this movie. Well, you know, yeah, no, I, I don't disagree. And I think it's interesting. We're saying, well, how else could they have done the rocket thing? I didn't totally. I don't know. Well, I don't, well, I don't totally love the high, high evolutionary as a character. And that's so tied to like making this rocket's movie. I think there's a way to still maybe give rocket a, a, a bigger um, percentage of the screen time and, uh, because I mean, so much of the everything up until this point has kind of been about like how he clashes with Quill, even though he loves Quill, and I think a lot of that stuff is really good usually between them, and they could have you know, just done, done done more with that, I suppose. But you know, I think with Adam Warlock, I I agree, I really liked him. I like the comic spin that that character kind of has. He's just like this very powerful big baby. I think it's a different kind of villain. I give James Gunn a lot of credit for thinking of a different kind of villain. But like, I I I don't know if you can make him the main villain, but then credibly like have him where he is at the end of this movie at the same time. You would have like he almost had a, a larger short role in, in the comic universe is why I was hoping that they would do something different with it. But like I said, it's it's they have given him the opportunity for continuity. And I think that that is very good for I'm going to say like for for the actor to now have who knows how many movies that he's going to appear in, who knows how they're going to be, you know, mm -hmm. uh, positioning the Guardians in the future. Um, but but in addition to that, you know, putting a, a spin that maybe comic fans would not have otherwise expected. Um, I think that in terms of the high evolutionary as a character, I do agree with you that it was um, there, there was so much emphasis on him for having not been involved but we've seen that so many times before i mean in in thor ragnarok hella comes in and then she's just like the big bad and you know she wreaks havoc and that that is that's comic books you have you have somebody that's coming in you haven't met them before they have some beef with somebody they need to go and they need to take that person down i and like i'm gonna say like with that in mind sure absolutely I thought that the um, portrayal of the high evolutionary, like uh, the actor's portrayal, was manic. It was awesome, um, but I, but I do agree with you about the positioning of the character was a little too heavy-handed in relation to Rocket, who the movie is actually about. One one thing that I will add um, about everything, though, is the way that they portrayed Rocket's trauma. Mm -hmm. It is traumatic to watch yeah. also. It was it was very, very hard to watch. And I think that that's a criticism that a lot of people share. I don't even know if that's, I, I'm, not, I'm not even just like critiquing that in and of itself. I do question whether or not it's like the best thing to bring a kid to. Uh, and these movies are no, supposed to be able to kids. No, it's definitely not. But it's, it's not, it's, it's, not right, but it's not, it's not not well made. I just don't know if like, I, again, I don't know if it was the best storytelling choice in and of itself. And definitely not if you're trying to appeal to a younger audience. No, but it explains why Rocket is so guarded, and it also mm -hmm. explains why he... I'm going to say that Quill would not have left if not for Rocket almost dying and him having to save him. He definitely would not have given up his captainship for him otherwise. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm just talking from like a character standpoint. Rocket would not have learned to have been vulnerable with the Guardians if he didn't have something in the past that led him to believe that, you know family is real and that um you know you can share you know you can find your, you can you can find a family even if they're not blood relatives exactly exactly and uh, you know bringing my girl linda cardellini back was also mm. a fantastic decision but i i was heartbroken watching those animal torture scenes i i mean like even seeing them as they are was just very very difficult to watch 
because I'm an animal lover. I mean, so many people who watch this movie are, and I think that that was just a very commonly felt uh, reaction to it that they, could they have toned it down? Yes. I also understand why he didn't because I don't think it would have been compelling enough for why Rocket is so broken. Um, They essentially, they needed to, you know, disengage a metaphorical fail safe in his heart. And they did. They did it physically and they did it metaphorically. And it it did. It it worked thematically very well. But but again, it's just, it's very, very hard for me to watch animals just be tortured like that. Um, I get what he was trying to do. Yeah, no, it, it was a choice, uh, a pretty bold one, I'd say, for a PG-13 movie, albeit one that does have the first ever F-bomb, like you said. Uh, they, they, they certainly went really, by the way. Yeah, they, they certainly went really dark, and I don't have any like criticisms in the way of like, oh, that's not consistent with what that character would do, or I didn't buy that choice that that character made to get where they did. Like, It all makes sense within the context of the story. It's just, I think, given that the fact that they try and at the end, you know, bring all these characters to like very specific points, it felt like a disproportionate amount of time. Like again, I think you can still give us do a substantial rocket arc without devoting all that time to those flashbacks when they're trying to like give endings to all these other characters too. And I'm like, okay, that's. I mean, I get it. Like, and I thought, I thought, I, I thought, you know, it was, it was, it was a really, really good movie. I thought in performance and fr- from for for uh, Palm Clementif as Mantis. Like, I, I, I think I, I like that performance and everything. But like, it's like at the end, it's like. I need to go find myself. And it's like, I, and she just like walks off and that's where she's going basically. And it's like, okay, I, I, I really like her relationship with Drax. I think she has a lot of great moments in the movie, but it's like, I don't know if I got enough time with her for me to be like, okay, that makes sense that she's going off like that. Uh, I, maybe I did enough for like Drax to be like, okay, like Drax is now going to be like just a dad to a bunch of people. Um, I thought that like that, that, that maybe made a little more sense. And I bought that, but like, I just thought it was a little hit and then Quill like being like, all right, I'm going to go find my grandpa. You know, I, I, I see what you're saying. Like he needed to like, you know, it was something he felt he needed to reckon with after he went through with, with, went through that with rocket. And I get that. And he, and then all the stuff with him and Gamora, you know, it makes sense that he finally came to a realization, Hey, I'm missing something. Maybe that's the thing I need to go back to kind of made sense. It's just, I felt like for they tried to put a really neat bow on everything at the end. And those, those we have such a long history with those characters and the performances are so good that I was certainly moved more than I am by most guardians movies. It's just like, I see ways in which the movie could have been even stronger. I suppose if it had just allocated its runtime differently, if it's going to be that long. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on it. I just think mm-hmm. that maybe contract wise, like they, they had limited options because I know for a fact that, um, yeah, David um, Batista's not coming back. He's made that. Yeah, point. exactly. David Batista is, is not coming back at all. Um, who knows what everybody else's contracts look like. I mean, I'm pretty sure they had a three movie contract and then after that they're, they're out of contract and they need to renegotiate. But, um, who, like at the end of the day, who could have written it differently minus people who are very deep into comic book lore or people who've actually written comics themselves. I certainly could have, could not have, sorry. I I certainly could not have, I, I could not have written that any differently because I wouldn't have known. Yeah, I wouldn't know what the stakes were for these characters in order to get them to, you know, disperse afterwards because of how bonded they were. And I think that this is kind of where they needed to be at. I mean, they basically they leveled an entire second Earth. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Yeah. Well, they, so they, what, 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 what did you even I mean, that, that planet? I kind of criticized uh, the high evolutionary a little bit. How, how did you feel about him? And uh, basically, like. Uh, 
engage in, you know, um, you know, large scale eugenics wants to create a perfect race, create a second earth. What do you think about that as like a, uh, as a villain for a guardians film and, uh, and having to spend as much time with him as we did? Honestly, it's a little, it's too on the nose these days. <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure, sure. It was a little too on the nose. And I literally, I was just like watching that. I'm just like, all right, where are the people who actually agree with this guy? like please show yourself so i can like exit the room from you because it it was very it was hectic it was it was kind of hectic to watch something like that on the screen and i thought it was a really bold choice that this guy basically he experiments on creating a perfect species for a living and then nothing is perfect for him basically basically the, 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 the biggest success he has is rocket and you can't figure it out and that's what bothers him yeah and they never explain it really yeah, I mean, I think it's just implied that like Rocket is like obviously like a genius in certain ways, and he can't figure out how to replicate that, and that's what bothers him. And he's never been able to like you know create the perfect race. He has all these animals, and he's created this whole other Earth, and nothing is he. he but he wants to like capture that intelligence again, the being like he did in Rocket, and he that's why he wants to track him down. And just he, he wanted to capture the perfection that was created mm-hmm. by his hand without being by his hand because mm-hmm. he was even agonizing over the fact that rocket knew how to you know make that chemical reaction i guess it was um and he said i didn't know how to do that so i didn't teach you that you i created you and you created that so all he was trying to do is basically like create like create like a self-sustaining intelligent life form mm-hmm. and i and i think that that is such a tall ask i mean rocket didn't ask for this he didn't ask for this. He was an experimented on animal that turns out to, you know, have genius capabilities. We've always known that he was, you know, incredibly talented and incredibly smart, but he never came off as a genius, if that made sense. He just came off as a very, very highly intelligent raccoon um, hmm. or not a raccoon, not a girl, as it reminded with, me of. With, 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 a, with, a, with a fetish for mechanical body parts. Yeah, exactly. Um, but but it very much it was it was an it was an interesting rationalization that they gave the high evolutionary that the reason why he wanted to search high and low for rocket was because he couldn't create something that was intelligent enough to have its own extrapolations that it could it, it could get to for you know higher intelligence. I just again a stretch, just kind of kind of a stretch. But at the same time, hey, I get it. I, I just, his motivations were a little bit. Yeah. I guess you, you just kind of have to accept that this guy is the worst and then hopefully yeah. you enjoy it enough from there. But I didn't, you know, I like something like, like I mentioned before, you know, like I just thought ego is a more interesting creation. It's not like it's any more complex. It's not like the motivations are like that much more complex other than like, you know, he does have a big ego and just like wants to like see himself multiply across the world. This guy just wants to create a yeah. bunch of something else that's perfect across the world. It's not that different. I just, for whatever reason, I think maybe it's just because of the more direct tie into Quill as opposed to, I, maybe I just found that more compelling and how Quill was drawn to him as opposed to this guy just tracking down Rocket for his own personal gain. And again, in some ways, like, you know, everyone's made the made the point that like, you know, they're dealing with a different kind of father figure in Thanos in the first one. And these are all somewhat of father figures in different ways. And I just, you know, I, I just found ego to be like 
a lot a lot more compelling and maybe that might have been because at the time i saw two i was comparing it to one and like thanos is in one a bit but like a lot of it is also just ronin who's not that interesting really and so no, unfortunately right, right. that's that's the one that's 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 the one we it's the one week like of, of guardians one really is that like ronin is not like a top level marvel's villain you know so which makes me so sad because lee pace is right. amazing he's delightful in everything well, he does well, I, mean, I, I don't think i yeah but you can't expect ronin to be delightful but like it's just you could have done something more charismatic and like, he's just so Josh, as an actor he's a fantastic actor sure, he also sure. seems like a great person yeah and he should he kid has done something more charismatic with him i guess uh, i shouldn't have said delightful but yes and uh so i guess at the time i saw two i was just comparing it to that I'm like wow this is a way better villain and here maybe i'm just like you know I, I i i don't know i just wasn't as drawn into what he was doing even if i in some ways respect the fact that james gunn was willing to go that dark with it when and still you know find comic beats throughout as you would expect him to um, Ronan's entire purpose was to bring Thanos, by the way. That was it. Ro Ronan's entire existence was to start teasing Thanos. Because that, again, that's like the first, you know, stage of everything where all they were trying to do is to tease the Infinity Wars. It's all they tried to do. Yeah. So each movie had a tie in there and it was subtle enough where it was, you know, um, I, I'm going to say like they gave you enough to want to watch the next movie. They've, they've really, they've really moved away from that in a big way because of the fact that the universe has gotten too big. Mm -hmm. They can't, I will be floored if they do what they had done with Endgame again. I would be floored if they would commingle all of those characters like that in the same, I, I'm not to that extent. They'll do it. There will be some crossover that we do have some movies coming up in, in the timeline where that crossover will exist. The Marvels is a great example of that. But I, I do not believe to the extent of how they did it in in Endgame that they they can do something like that again. So how do you counteract that? You make these these stories self-contained. And you don't feel like everything is leading on to the next one and interconnecting like that. The well, universe exists in and of itself. Well, yeah. I mean, I give him credit for letting him make something that is so self-contained. Um, it's just I, I don't know if there's going to be that many more that are for, for a while with them seemingly getting back to uh, some of the multiverse stuff just by the nature of what we've already seen from the Marvels trailer. But, like, who knows what's beyond that? There's not, there's not like, an outstanding trailer uh, for an for an MCU movie other than the Marvels right now, uh, so right. We, we don't we don't really know what to expect. But like, I mean, you know, given that you know the last two the last two of them are in twenty, and who knows if who knows maybe these release dates will get you know cut back if like given how this writer strike is going, I don't know. But uh, as of now, like you know, yeah. there's, there's Avengers: King Dynasty and Avengers: Secret Wars for twenty twenty five and twenty twenty six. It's like kind of the capper for the phase, and it's like I, if they're involving Kang, assuming let's just assume that Jonathan Major sticks around, even with everything going on with him, like if, if they those movies still just do do still involve Kang and they keep the plans as they are, like they're gonna be multiverse stories, and you're gonna have to like you know time in. So yeah. So we'll see. Yeah, but like, I, I, mean, I, I, I just expect them to go deeper into it, but I'm, I'm with you. I'm like glad they let Guardians 3 be Guardians 3 to, to cap off the trilogy. Yeah, I, I, I think that allow, like that allowing these stories to, to tell themselves is a very natural progression of where they can take this because, again, otherwise it is unsustainable. It's messy. It's kitschy. 
Um, so I, I am liking how they're doing this. And again, I think the Shang-Chi is a really, really fan freaking tastic example of that, that there has been only one instance where the seven rings are mentioned since then. Mm. And it was subtle. It was so subtle, but it's enough to give you sort of like a, um, I'm going to say a, a timestamp of how, how old the history of the seven rings are um, there to me there needs to be more of that i'm fine with these movies just being as they are i and i think i hope that the fan base feels the same way because that way they can start telling so like a wild variety of stories without feeling the pressure of okay how do we interconnect this with any of the other 15 things that we're working on simultaneously something like wandavision where yes of course these are characters that come from the other um movies but personally speaking if i were coming into the marvel universe and i didn't know anything about the marvel universe and i just watched wandavision i was fine and I did that for, for my parents. I told them, I said, listen, this is a love letter to television history. You should watch this movie. And my mom is the person who, and if she ever hears this, I'm, I promise you, I'm not insulting you, mom. But she's the person who watches Game of Thrones. And she's like, what's this guy's name? All right. This is the guy who's this guy's brother and this guy's blah, 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 blah. So she, she, it's hard for her to keep track, especially when it's a very, very uh, large list of people to keep track of mm-hmm. and i basically just had her watch wandavision she loved it absolutely. even when it got to the end and it just got to be kind of like action and stuff and they got away from the sitcom stuff absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely and she's just like that was really good i'm i'm sure that there is you know there's importance to it but she really enjoyed mm-hmm. it thoroughly enjoyed it um because again it's okay to have a self-contained movie that just kind of speaks for itself and it doesn't have to do with anything else um i'm you know, and I'm going to out myself right now. Um, I have not seen Ant-Man. Um, I'm excited to see it when it comes out on video on demand. No, I, um, I already told the listeners that at the beginning, but like I said, part of what was yeah. interesting about Ant-Man is that you don't really need to have seen it to watch this one. It's It, it, it kind of stands alone, even if, you know, it obviously does have a little bit more multiverse tie-in with, but like, it, it, it stands alone fine such that, like, I don't really think you're actually missing much. Exactly. I don't feel, I don't feel that I've missed not seeing that movie and again you're right you're 100 right you didn't mention it before i'm sorry about that but mm-hmm. no i don't feel like i've missed out not watching this movie i also made sure that i read reviews to make sure that i was right about that feeling um i don't have any spoilers i don't know what actually happens in the movie itself i don't know anybody um who you know pops up in that movie but my goal was all right am i able to watch guardians without seeing Ant-Man. And I think that it is so healthy. It reminds me of the first phase. It's so healthy to be able to say, oh, I watched this and I didn't see the other movie and that was okay. Because if you think about it with the first phase, um, and I'll actually, again, I'll, I'll throw myself under the bus. I didn't watch Thor until, oh my God, it was a while. It was a good amount of time until I saw Thor. No, I think it was only a couple weeks because you did squeeze that podcast in. No, I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about Love and Thunder. I'm talking about the first Thor. Oh, I mean, I, I, I didn't see. I didn't see that I, in I theaters. Watch, I'm saying I didn't see it in theaters. I didn't see it for years. I didn't see it basically. I didn't until, see it. Till, I didn't. See, I didn't see it till after I saw the Avengers. Same. Oh, same. Okay. Absolutely. But isn't that refreshing that you were able to watch and you didn't have to have any context before and you were just able to walk in and pick mm-hmm. and choose when you wanted to see this movie? 
that is what needs to be happening with this, especially with a really powerful device like Disney Plus, where you can have the entirety of Marvel Universe. They're also probably are going to want to give, um, you know, rights to other streaming services to be able to stream some of these movies, as is their right to do so they can make a ton of money off of it. Um, and what better way to do that than if you don't need to watch 15 movies before you watch that one movie. This is how you make it a self-sustaining universe. This is how you make it so people can continue watching your movies and not feel overwhelmed that they haven't seen the myriad other movies. I mean, I don't know what number movie we're at right now, but I think it's 20-something. Yeah, it's like it's 26, I think, something like that. Exactly. So that's 26 movies that somebody would have had to see contextually if they continue with the trend that they were oh, doing. No, there's been 32. There's been 32, actually. Jeez. It's, a, it's an insane number of movies. Mm -hmm. It's an insane number of movies. There's nobody who has time for that. There's too much content out there. And because there's so much content out there, which is one of the reasons why the writers are striking, as is their right to do so. Because there's so much content out there, how can someone keep track of it? You're going to lose somebody. You're going to lose them halfway through. And the best way to do it is to to pierce it pierce it in, in ways where it's 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 uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's indexed almost. That you have basically all right. This is index A. This is one two three. This is index B one two three. Um, and then you know C. You know part part three in order to get part one. No, I'm, I'm fine with that. I think that they're, they're doing this the right way. Hmm. Uh, how did you feel about this movie visually? They did some different kind of things, uh, whether it be like the, the, the set design on, um, on Orgo, on Orgo Corp or the, 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 the big, uh, the big creatures that they have at the end, the, um, Abelis, uh, was there anything that kind of jumped out to you or it's like, Oh, they're, they're doing something a little different here with the, with the visuals of this movie. Cause you know, I haven't really talked with you about it a ton cause it's been a while, but, uh, you know, Marvel has come under a bit of fire for their, um, for special effects issues that people have been critical of and, uh, and just the way certain things have looked, there's been all these stories about the, you know, the different effects houses being too burdened by the amount of content they're being forced to produce for Marvel and other companies, uh, leading to like a, leading to, you know, some kind of, uh, drop in the quality of the stuff. And like a lot of people like compared it to, um, Victoria Alonso is no longer employed there, by the way. Right. There's that too. And uh, I think it was even a starker contrast when like people were so high on, like uh, Avatar The Way of Water and just how great that looked. They're like, all right, like there's no, you, you had a lot of money here, Marvel. You need to be doing a better job of this. So was there anything that jumped out to you as you were watching this one in a theater? It'd been a little while, so I guess, since you'd seen a Marvel movie in a theater too. So uh, what was your experience like visually? There were a lot of, uh, sure, visual effects that were CGI, but there were a ton of practical effects too. Hmm. The prosthetics alone were amazing. I mean, the entire Earth 2. That was a different kind of thing for Marvel, what they did there. It was incredible. And I think hmm. that they, they hit a record of most amount of prosthetics that were used in a movie. And, and it was really so perfectly executed i mean like i it was disturbing it was absolutely disturbing to see you know humanoid animals with their own uh vocabulary um and i think like that unsettling nature of that but you can you can also see like the hard work that was put towards it i found that to be incredibly unique i don't think that they've done something like that sure they've done a lot of you know prosthetics and there are a lot of characters that um you know are uh, done through normal effects versus um, a CGI, 
Yeah, especially in the Guardians movies and a little bit in Thor, like I guess some of these, uh, you know, these in in the cosmic realm, they are some different types yeah. of folks, but uh, there's certainly a different level of level of detail for what they did in Counter Earth, you know. Absolutely, not not to this extent. Not, mm -hmm. I, I really, really, um, I really thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I just, you know, I'm personally like a little wary of this point of like going into space as much. I know this is like a bit of a cosmic phase for them and. Uh, it's just, I, I, I just, I do, I was just happy they were able to kind of show us some things that felt like things we hadn't seen before. You know, we've been in space a decent amount with guardians. We've been there for a, a good, a, 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 the, the majority of Thor love and thunder. We were out in different other out, out outside of earth. And it's just like, as, as long as you can, you can show me something. Oh, you know, the, the scene, I guess, where they went to, um, we went to find Russell Crowe's Zeus in love and thunder, or is he plays Zeus or is he play someone else? Uh, the, the Russell Crowe character. Uh, it's Zeus. Yeah, yeah, it's Zeus. But the, I mean, like the scene where they go to see Zeus, there's a lot of different beings in there. But like, it, it was like, okay, I'm gonna just show you a bunch of different types of beings, and I'm gonna make them feel like something you maybe haven't seen before. As much as we have been hanging out outside of Earth, you, we're gonna go somewhere that's like as close to Earth as you can ever get, but show you something very different. And it's just, yeah. you know, I, I, again, I, I, I certainly appreciate James Gunn like being one to do that. And like, I mean, obviously, props to like, like you said, their their effects department, their costume design, their makeup folks, all the people, everyone that goes into making those things look like they did. Uh, they obviously did like a very good job and i respected that and i i i think a lot of people were pretty taken with the uh um a lot of ogre corp uh sequence and they just thought that looked really weird and different i i agree i don't know if it's just like something that, like did it yeah it was jarring it didn't necessarily do a ton for me in the moment but it's just they're trying different stuff so i appreciate that when like it's when it's like you're taking a risk as a, as opposed and i'm sure there's some pra i'm sure there's some practical stuff that went into creating Ogrecorp too even if like i'm sure some of that was cgi i think i i feel like it was probably a mix i haven't read a ton about it but it was just something different that didn't necessarily all feel like it was generated on a computer screen in the moment at least as i was watching it so i i i, I respect it, it that did, as well it did not feel i agree with you it did not feel mm -hmm. that that was a computer screen it felt like a lot of that was very uh practically built and i and i did think that um it, it, think think about it this way i would I do not envy the person who has to uh, think about what the architecture of the entire universe looks like. I don't envy mm -hmm. that person. And point, I yeah. think that, you know, maybe a lot of their inspiration also comes from the comic book world. I mean, it did feel like I was going into a comic book character's evil lair, um, you know, so props to them on that. But um, I, again, I don't envy whoever has to come up with that because it is, it's difficult enough to, um, you know, world build when you're just making the movie. But imagine thinking about all the different details um, mm -hmm. that that come into that movie. I'm I'm still astounded by, um, you know, all the people who don't get the credit that they absolutely deserve um, for that. And, and like I said, one of these one of these are the people who were building the sets, who were building those practical effects. So you know, the hair and makeup artists who did all of those prosthetics. Do you feel that this movie was a little bit more heavy handed with the practical effect than it was this, like just relying on CGI for certain things? There was a ton of that, don't worry. Um, you know, mm. that, that I do feel that way. I mean, one of your main characters is literally a CGI raccoon. Um, <laughs> but, but still, I did feel that this movie felt more real to me. Yeah, for sure. Um, before we before we had to go back and uh, touch on any other odds and ends, I'm curious, I wanna, I wanna ask you a little more about the ending itself. Uh, how'd you feel about it as far as like, you know, uh, rocket getting his moment to like, you know, free all the animals, uh, 
them possibly doing a fake out with Quill dying, but actually not dying because Warlock comes in. Did you want someone to die in this movie? How did you feel about where we just kind of like how it kind of wrapped up and culminated? Were you were you bracing yourself for Rocket to die based on what you'd seen? Or were you happy that like the way they wrapped it up? I, I, bra- I was bracing myself for Drax to die. Oh. I, I was bracing myself for someone to die. And you know mm-hmm. what? I did. I do feel that this was being a pleasantly surprised and Rocket technically does die. If we're being honest here, um, that of uh, just let me. I'm gonna just touch upon that sequence for a moment. <laughs> I saw a baby, an mm. absolute baby, when Rocket and Lila are Nuzzling, in yeah. whatever their astral plane is. Yes. I don't know <laughs> whatever anim- wherever animals go to the great uh, the great uh, farm in the sky. I'm sure that there'll be a name for it. By the way, they have to come up with it because that's where he was. Um, and we have actually, as actually, as I speak to you right now, and the TV in the background is a Guardians of the Galaxy trailer, mm. by the way. Um, thank you, ESPN. Um, that entire sequence gutted me, absolutely gutted me. And to my right was my friend who just liked the cute little animals on screen, so started cracking up. And I literally had to look at her and be like, Nicole, what the fuck? <laughs> Like, why are you doing this now? And she's just like, the animals were just so cute. And I'm like, yeah, they actually were. They were adorable. Mm-hmm. But going back to your question, um, I I like the way it ended. I didn't I didn't feel faked out that much. I I thought that it had a very natural. Like, how often do we get a happy ending? For Christ's sake, never. We hardly ever get a happy ending. That's a good point. Even as you know, funny as Thor Love and Thunder was in parts, like still kind of ends with uh, Jane dying, right? You know, so yeah. <laughs> uh, ha- haven't had a lot of that. And I- I'm not someone that necessarily always feels the need to like have someone die in some of these movies, you know, like I, I you know, I was always someone that didn't necessarily feel like, like I didn't need Rhodey to die in Civil War, like back then, like people like really thought that was a thing that needed to happen because it's like, you know, shot out of the sky, should he have died? And like, I don't know, I just didn't leave that movie feeling wanting like that. Like for me, like to get mad about someone dying, it needs to be more of a stupid, pointless fake out, like, Chewy in 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 Star Wars, you know, like with the, the Rise of Skywalker thing. It's like, what? Wh- why do that? Like, you may as well kill someone at that point. But it's like, if you can, like, you know, move me emotionally without a death, then I'm not going to complain that I didn't get a death. I don't need to happen just for the sake of the story. As a side note, I'll never forget Disney for doing that to me. By the way, with Star Wars, I absolutely, uh, without a shadow of a doubt, um, thought that they killed one of my favorite characters. Mm-hmm. I was literally wearing a Chewbacca onesie ah. watching that movie in the theaters. Crying my eyes out because I thought they killed Chewbacca. I don't remember um, you telling me you went to that in a Chewbacca onesie when we did the podcast on it. It's been a week because you were on that podcast. I don't remember you saying that. That's kind of funny that you have yeah, to be dressed Dustin, like that. Yeah, my, Dustin, my now husband and I, literally, it was me and him wearing matching Chewbacca onesies with uh. my friend wife was the one who was laughing at the movie um, mm. in, an, in a unicorn onesie because why not? It was pre-pandemic. <laughs> Everything was nuts back then. Why not do it? Mm-hmm. Um we had a great time, um, but it was, I, I, I'm going to say like something like this. I, the fake out was that no one died. Mm-hmm. Sure, that sure. was the fake out. The expectation was that they were going to kill somebody off and they managed to really not do, obviously minus, you know, the villain, um, but they managed to not do that. They, they managed not to kill off any of our main characters. Adam Warlock gets to say, which is just great news for everybody, even though he like died three times. It was great. Uh, he just kind of collapses <laughs> before he's about to do something. <laughs> that was really comedically perfect. Again, props to Will Poulter. I was, 
I did not expect the comedy route with that at all. But I am so happy that they did it because he is just such a strong physical comedian. They fucked him up to look like that. That's the thing. It's like the the clip you, because you do get a little tease of Adam Warlock at the, in one of the seven post credit scenes for Guardians 2. But like it's kind of shot as like, oh, it's going to be something kind of menacing and scary. The names, this sounds kind of scary. I've seen the press promotional photos of Will Poulter looking like four times as big as I've ever seen him look. And I just assume they're bulking up to play some be- big, mean, bad dude. So I, I, that was kind of like a fun fake out in and of itself. I, I love it. I, I love it. It's like watching John Hammond bridesmaids, like uh, the guy who like, has such a serious air to him, just like cracking you up on state on, on screen is always always worth it. It is always worth the effort that they put into that. And in this case, you know, again, I'm a big fan of his, so I'm going to be thrilled to watch him just have his shining moment. Um, he he is such a leading man and no one has given him the opportunity. Really, he has not had the opportunity to be a leading man. Who knows where they're going to take his character? I really hope that he gets something, something. That Well, you kind of like got ahead of me on my next question. I was wondering, like, based on what we see in the last scene with Quill uh, going off to his grandpa's, but us getting the us getting the Star Wars will return thing to in the movie, but also seeing what Rocket's current team that he's leading now looks like. Uh, wh- what do you kind of want? Uh, is, do, you, do you know yet where you want things to go? Like what, what you want the next movie that is set in this area? What, do you have any idea how you want it to look like given the team that Rocket's leading, but also that Quill's off in, on Earth? I, I don't know where specifically they're going to take it, but they needed to bring Quill to Earth to bring him into the Avengers. Oh, interesting. He needed to come, or the or somewhere, someone else. I don't know what they're going to end up doing. Um, they might have a complete other subsection that they're going to be adding, but they needed to bring him to Earth because he spent like no um, time on Earth aside, aside from basically the events of Endgame and, and that like, was it he's had barely, barely been on earth in the last 30 years or whatever like so I feel like if he shows up in another movie that could be interesting if assuming they can get Chris Pratt to show up for that like you can have some fun fish out of water stuff with him adap- ad- adopting Absolutely. the life on earth or something like that you know I I would love the comedian he and I mean they're missing my opportunity of getting him and Captain America together to do something like that I mean Captain America also was you know stuck in ice forever um, and he was learning things. I would have loved to see him, you know, acclimate to that. Um, or even like deacclimate, if that makes sense, because he's been living in freaking space and technology there is out of this world. Ha ha. Yeah, as much um, as I as much as I liked Adam Warlock and I'd be happy to have some other kind of Guardians movie at some point in the future, I, I worry a little bit, like, you know, it, let's just say James Gunn is off doing the DC thing for a long time. Like they might, is it really going to feel like a Guardians movie if he's not the one writing it, you know? So, like, yeah. do you want to try and imitate it in its own way? I think it's almost better to, like, utilize these characters in other in, in good ways and try and approximate their dialogue as best you can. Like, you know, because, you know, like, James Gunn even wrote the dialogue for them in the Avengers movies, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so it's like, it would really be something different if you try and, like, if you try and ape what the Guardians movies did too much. But, like, I, that doesn't change the fact that I would still be, like, honestly, probably really excited if like quill were to show up in something else and just that, that's earthbound that would be interesting that's that's what you that's why i needed to do that because mm-hmm. they need him to show up without the hecticness of everybody else hmm very very that's very very why they needed to do that very interesting point um any other thoughts on stuff that we didn't touch on we didn't really go, go, go we didn't really do much on the soundtrack yet 
Um, I, I don't, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Like there are always Absolutely. fun song choices, needle drops, but like, I'm not like a, and I actually do, didn't, didn't know a decent amount of these, these songs, even though I'm not a big music guy, but I don't know if I have much to add. Do you have anything on the, the soundtrack or anything other, or just any other parts of the movie we didn't touch on that you wanted to mention? There is absolutely nothing that makes me happier than a drop of a Guardian soundtrack. And mm. the fact that they had Dog Days Are Over and people who are listening to this, if you haven't seen Florence Welch watching mm. her reaction to the end credit scene with Dog Days Are Over and the, the really happy, like, again, this is a happy ending movie. Everyone's mm. dancing to one of the happiest songs in the world. It was it was perfect. I, and that my, that is actually that is my comment on the the soundtrack. We went from cassette tape to Zune, and um, <laughs> I am thrilled that we had the ability to bring in other eras of music. You, you brought back some of the was it Rubber Band Man that that was the closing song that they brought back. Sounds sounds right. I think it was Rubber Band Man. You're saying that was in these closing credits? I just don't remember. Uh, yeah, at the end of the movie, they brought back uh, um, something from the first Guardian soundtrack. Oh, I don't know. No, I, I, did, I did not pick up on that. I just I did picked up on uh, uh, Forge of the Machine, and then they, they played Bruce Springsteen's Badlands for some reason. Uh, good, cool. I, I, I like that song. Uh, oh, well, so I, I, two other things. I, I, we, I don't know if there's much to add on them, but like, I, I would be remiss if I didn't shout out Cosmo the Dog and uh, Kragan. Who uh, you know finally uh, mastered mastered the uh, weapon left left behind by Yondu and uh, Cosmo, who is voiced by Maria Bakalova, who you might know from Bodies, 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 or Borat's subsequent movie film, an Oscar-nominated actress, who's uh, who's like second not second film after like being in the Borat movie. Uh, is is just her voicing a dog. I, I remembered she was going to be in it at some point. I kept thinking, is one of these people her under makeup? And I realized the end. No, she's Cosmo the dog, this the the, the psychic dog. Uh, I, who I don't who was only showed up for the first time in the holiday special, right? Um, yeah. Which I think it was interesting that like you actually like because if you didn't watch the holiday special, you're kind of confused because it felt like the dog. We were supposed to have more of a relationship with the dog than you would otherwise think if this is the first time it was showing up. Nope, they, in the holiday special, I got I got a kick out of the dog. You know, just being so offended by the idea of someone calling him her a bad dog. It was I don't know why, but like it laughed, I, I laughed a lot at that. So uh-huh. I I like her. I I was. I was thrilled that they actually uh, are giving her the big bucks because she was so spectacular in Borat's subsequent movie film <laughs> that uh, I just want her to get all the work. But naming Cosmo the Cosmonaut Dog is such a good character. Again, I know it's all about merchandising, but I don't care. She's a <laughs> good dog. And I also didn't realize that she was telepathic. I mean, that was that was a very interesting thing to do. <laughs> um, but having Sean Gunn as Craglin again... Um, James Gunn just giving his brother all the work makes me very happy. I don't know why, um, but I thought that he was he was a good. Um, he paid a lot of good homage to Yondu, and he um, he made him proud. Speaking of uh, merchandise, what about the what about the little creature following uh, Warlock around? I forgot what that thing was called. Oh God, that thing was cute though. Oh, um, I have no idea what it was called, but it was adorable. Again, it's all about merchandising. <laughs> like, there, if there's one thing that um, Mel Brooks has done right is make space balls and just make it a parody of itself simultaneously. Mm. Space balls, the t-shirt. Space balls, the breakfast cereal. Space balls, the flamethrower. Yeah. Well, 
I think I think we've about covered it, Maya. I mean, like, I mean, we could we could delve into so many other corners of this movie, but like, I think we we I think we covered the parts that we've really felt strongly about, and I think we both obviously like uh, recommend people watch the movie. Though I, I think I just say I came out of more with more reservations maybe than I did with the first two. But there's not a lot of shame in not living up to the first two Guardians movies because, in my opinion, the first two Guardians movies are both like are, are probably both top ten Marvel movies for me. I haven't uh, definitely definitely one and like. To, to, like, I think the surprise and, uh, you know, uniqueness of one compared to what had come before, it still sets it apart from two for me, but like, they're pretty close because like I said, two just has a better villain, but for me is like just as funny and still has some fun action too. Yeah. Um, so like, there's no shame in not living up to them. It's just like, you know, I just have more, I can critique with this one than I did the other ones, but it's still, you know, I, I'd still say it's, it, it, I, I found a lot to enjoy about it compared to like a lot of the other, like stuff that's happened in this phase in, in since phase four aside from uh shang chi and I, I honestly probably put it about for me on the level of no way home which you like more than me but like it's kind of the same way where like i mean i liked a lot of parts of it it's just no way home i had like big critiques of a couple parts of it and i kind of put this here yeah. even though i put no way home a, a cut above a lot of the other non shang chi stuff in and of itself you know yeah. there's there's levels to these things and tears there's um, something and there's not <laughs> i i didn't realize you actually were you you would have put that above spider-man um i, I remember we both liked it i just didn't I've realize thought were, about it a lot yeah. i've thought about it a lot since the last podcast mm-hmm. and um i don't think too much about spider-man except for when they brought uh back andrew garfield and toby mcguire and i do think a lot about shang chi and I, I, I think about just the level of detail and I just, I loved the fight sequences. I loved everything about it. Yeah. And that's one where it's like, we, we talk, I asked you about the visual stuff here. You know, that one I think does a lot of interesting stuff with the, yeah. the, 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 the different places it goes compared to just a lot of the other Marvel movies. Um, mm-hmm. All right. Well, that, that about, that, that about covers it. We're not, I, you know, we, we were talking before about like what you're, what, what you're coming back for mine. I was like, Oh, I don't know when the, the Marvels doesn't come out until, uh, in, in, until, uh, November. So we got a while. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so, wow. yeah. So we, we still got, we still got a while for that, but uh, my, my, will be back for some other stuff before then, including little mermaid. And, uh, I think, I think, I think we'll make you make you come back for maestro. I think, uh, you know, you're here for a star is born. That was one of the first uh, episodes of the podcast you did. And so we got Bradley Cooper's follow-up. So I think you gotta, mm-hmm. I think, I, I think you gotta, I think you gotta, I think you gotta return for that. You're contractually obligated I to do so. Do. Um, you know what? my arm Maya will be back for little mermaid and then we'll find a few other things for her before we have to before we get to the marvels but it's they're taking a big break between the uh, a big break between the movies uh which you know maybe absence will make the heart grow fonder you know for this people are you know little down on it though I, I i do think the consensus is like from a lot of people i think the general consensus might be even be higher than i am on guardians 3 it's just you know people have you know have been a little sour on some of it uh recently between some of the movies and the shows and you know now they, they'll have a five-month break so we'll, we'll see how everyone is feeling at that point though i think uh the secret invasion show might come out before then i guess that might be the next thing coming yes to. it does it's coming um, out very soon okay cool so we'll that's have that. gonna be incredible okay. Dark. yeah so we'll, we'll i'm sure we'll have a we'll, we'll have a fun time absorbing that in the interim uh maya anything else you've been consuming recently you want to direct the listeners to i feel like you made reference to something earlier and i can't remember what it was well mine is uh, south florida sports which if you're listening <laughs> to this podcast um, you know, this is it's currently uh, May 10th and both Miami Heat and the Florida Panthers who um, only need one game to win are not doing so. So minus that, um, I have been watching uh, Daisy Jones and the Six, which is just it. I'm really enjoying it. Um, but the recommendation that I have for everybody is actually mm. not that. 
it is Peacemaker. Sorry, I know that we're crossing uh, enemy lines over here to the DC universe, but if James Gunn moves over to that, I think that he could do a world of good there because Peacemaker was a perfect show. And um, if you told me that you would cast John Cena as an anti-hero who's literal, um, I would say I have no idea why that would be a good idea, but it seems mm -hmm. like a genius idea. And it was. Uh, just the, the opening theme song is perfect. And if you skip it, you're wrong. Yeah, you got to watch it for every single episode. Um, it's perfect. It was a perfect show. You're going to bring peace to the world no matter how many women and children he has to kill. Isn't that his thing or something like that? <laughs> um, no, Peacemaker is great. Uh, I mean, I, I'd be very curious. Like, I think... I don't, everyone's like a little cynical because, you know, they announced that James Gunn will probably write and direct the, the next superhero movie. That's what he's tackling as the new head of DC, basically. And everyone's like, oh, I, do we really want to, you know, James Gunnify Superman? One, I think Superman could like use a little lightning up after the Zack Snyder films. And two, I don't think he's going to go full Guardians on it, but like it could be, it could be interesting if he brings some of his sensibilities to it, but still, still keeps it different. I think he's a smart guy. And he, he should be able to do something interesting with it. I believe, I, I think Peacemaker might have a second season in production uh already so i am uh i i'm very much looking forward to uh when, when whenever that comes out if it hasn't if, if they haven't already filmed it hopefully they will soon because i really really enjoyed it um uh yeah do i have anything else to recommend that i've been watching recently i don't know i've uh in, in, in another bit of a um of a, a stretch where i'm just recording a lot of podcasts but bit too busy to watch a lot of other stuff so i don't know if i have anything else to recommend at the moment i'm you know i'm, I'm enjoying uh the I, I i'm enjoying jeopardy uh right now like i it's kind of <laughs> like my it's kind of it's like my thing i watched to try and put me put me to sleep uh but like i still enjoy it it's just like you know it helps me get to sleep faster for whatever reason i can't i, I can't always it, no, it's, it's a legitimate thing my parents used to record jeopardy for me as a kid in order to get me to fall asleep i'm not joking yeah, something it, about alex trebek's voice so right now they're doing like regular jeopardy episodes but a separate masters tournament though yes. uh i think i'll still be going on when, when by the time i post this and like it's a lot of the best winners from the last few years plus james holtzauer uh very entertaining all these people that they brought together so uh you know support jeopardy it's, it's good that it's doing well in, in the post alex trebek life and it's cool that they like, are trying all these different things whether it be celebrity jeopardy a high school reunion jeopardy a uh, you know, a master's thing where they keep bringing these other folks back who are really fun to watch because they're all just so good when they dominate. And uh, it's different from the, just the tournament champions because they're bringing back just like the best of the best. And there's like, there's like this other guy named Sam Buttery who was like a, won the professor's tournament, but he's just like this like late sixties, early seventies old man. That's like really sweet and funny. And it's like, he's competing against all these younger people and actually like really holding his own. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. So normally I might have a more of a narrative TV or movie to listen to list out, but there's nothing new for me to report in that department, but I'm enjoying jeopardy. So do that. And uh, yeah. Uh, as usual, everyone, you can find me on social media at Josh Renovoy, J O S H J U R N O V O Y, on Twitter and Letterboxd. The podcast Twitter is at Real Movie Pod. Podcast email is Real Movie Pod at gmail.com. And uh, as usual, you cannot find me on social media because I'm not on it. Yeah. Maya's such a great guest that we keep having her back, even though she like, can't promote the podcast on social media because she is off the grid. That's how much I we really like her. Maya because I enjoy it. She enjoys it and we enjoy having her. So that, that is why she is here. And com coming up next on the podcast, I'm. I think we're going to have a we're going to try and get together our friends Joe and Elijah on the same podcast for the first time to talk about Peter Pan and Wendy. After that, I guess we might have the next Fast and Furious movie at some point in the next few weeks, if I remember correctly. And then uh, a bunch of stuff coming out at the end of May, early June, when I will hopefully be on my vacation in Los Angeles, where I'm just going to watch a ton of movies. So I don't really know the like order in which any of those will come out, but we'll have stuff on Fast 10 and Peter Pan and Wendy uh, and before then. So everyone stay tuned for that. Thanks again to Maya for joining and we'll see you next time.